the lowest of lows, and sometimes that's all in one afternoon. Sometimes you've heard old ladies say to you like, oh, they're so sweet, they're so cute, just enjoy it because it goes so fast. And I remember thinking, well, they are available this afternoon if you would like to take them with you, right? Um, but it does, it is, uh, it, 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 I, I can say that and I can understand that now, but I know that some days those days are long or even from three o'clock when they wake up from the nap until the husband comes home at whatever time, it seems like a really long time. And so I get that, but I just want you to think in your head, like if you have a two-year-old, think about back when they were like a newborn, it doesn't seem like that long ago, does it? Or if you dropped a sweet little baby off at kindergarten this year, think back when they were like crawling. It does, if you think about it and take a little bit of moment and get some perspective, it does kind of go fast. But I don't want to discourage you with that because I know sometimes the days are long and hard and um, that the world doesn't value it. But I want you to leave today and what we call the nest, nurtured. Like we want to love on you. We want to know how we can help and love and serve you. Um, Encourage, like don't go away like, oh my gosh, she listed 55 things I need to go do this afternoon. We don't want you to do that. Just go away with maybe one thing you want to try in your family to work on or in your own life. Um, Strengthened. Like, we want you to be strong. Strong in the Word. This job is too big for any one person to do by themselves, but the Lord is with you, and we want to encourage you in that today. He's given you His Word, and He's given you a way to communicate with Him. And then the last one is trained. Like, you, you may actually want some training in, like, I really don't know how to get my child to sleep through the night. I really don't know how to train in potty training. There's people around you to, to share with and to, to learn from. So all of those things is our heart and how we can love on you this year and, um, and encourage you. Um, so I, I would just encourage you, whatever season you're in, whether it be a baby or preschool or school, just to be, dive deeply into that. When they're little, it's, you know, it's okay. It's okay to say no to being in charge of a committee or a charity event or whatever. Just be, be in the season. There'll be a time for that. When mine were little, um, Holly and I used to take them to the park and take them to Target and do fun, just fun things like that. Then they got into preschool programs and we did different things. And, and now I'm empty nest and I'm doing even different things and hopefully pouring back into you. And so <clears throat> that's our heart. I read a great quote that said, Mother, Mother Teresa was asked, what can you do to promote world peace? And she said, go home and love your family. I think sometimes the world doesn't, doesn't remember what an important job it is, what happens in the family and how you love and raise your children. The values that you impart to them um, is, makes our world tomorrow what it is. Um, and I remember when I, when I quit work to stay home, people, my nurses would be like, what are you doing all day? I know, you know, I mean, you want to be like, you want to sound like, I want to sound like it's something really important because it is. But to them, it's like, you know, where do you just like laying around? I'm like, no, this is, I'm using all my managerial skills, my organizational skills, my, you know, I am managing people and places and things like I never did before. And it's, and it's difficult, but I just want to encourage you that it does matter. It matters for the future of your child, for your family, for our country, and most of all, for the kingdom of God. Um, so our verse this year is, let, like she said, let us not grow weary in, be, in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. I would love it if you would choose to commit that to memory because that's a great verse. It reminds you, and we're going to pull it apart today. We're going to look at um, our role and what makes us weary. That's going to be the beginning part, right, to, you know, as we speak this, this first 10 or 15 minutes. Um, And then we wanted like, what is doing good? Like, what does that mean? What does the world say it is? What does God say it is? What is it not? And then we're gonna talk about at the proper time. Like, what does that mean? And then we'll talk about what is a harvest. And then we'll kind of wrap it up with like, how do we do these things? And so that's kind of where we're going today. 
Um, so <clears throat> as we look at the, the, the verse, it talks about making it, what, what makes us weary. Now, the, it kind of has a farm or an agricultural theme because that's when it was written back in the Bible, that's what people did for a living. And so as a weary, say, farmer or a, a, a weary farming, what that looks like is kind of like maybe it's heat or sore muscles or pests or lack of needed resources. Um, but motherhood, weariness in motherhood looks differently, doesn't it? And some of those things, you may have sore muscles. You may have pests or what you'd call pests. You may have lack of needed resources. But we're going to talk about the things today that make us weary. And then we're going to break and share a little bit. But don't despair because, it, because as you share, it's a great way to connect. But then we're going to come back and talk about ways that we can not grow weary. So that's where we're going with this this morning. So the first thing that I kind of identified, and it's on your handout, is just that repetition makes us grow weary. The daily grind of doing the same things and saying the same things over and over and over. And um, so tell me if this sounds remotely familiar, especially if you have like maybe a two or three-year-old. Get back in bed, sweetie. It's time for your nap. We're resting our bodies, sweetie. Go back to your bed. Get back in that bed now, or there'll be no popsicle when you get up. Get back in bed! So just over and over. It may start out a little bit nicer, and then as the time goes on, it gets a little more. Or things you repeat over and over, like time to brush your teeth. Tamlins don't throw food off their plate. Tamlins don't bite. Tamlins don't lick the floor. Tamlins don't shout. This is not the time. This is not the place over and over and over again. So I think sometimes just repetition um, makes us weary. Also doing the same things. Probably there's a good chance this morning you had bought food, you prepared the food, you ate the food, maybe, um, someone did, then you cleaned it up. And guess what? In a couple more hours, you've got to do that same thing again, right? I can remember thinking like uh, buying the food, first of all, choosing it. That's probably for me the hardest part, choosing it, buying it, eating it, fixing it, all that. And then just a few hours later, these people want to eat again. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, So just doing the same thing again. Also things like picking up toys, like I could have sworn I just picked this up an hour ago. Oh, you did. Um, Picking up shoes, uh, changing diapers, all the repetition that we do day, day in and day out. But it is not without purpose and it's not without cause. So I just want to encourage you that. But the repetition is one thing that can make us weary. Another thing is just the sheer magnitude of the job. You are most likely the childcare provider. You are the nanny. You are the teacher. You're teaching your children all kinds of things. You may be the accountant in your family. You are probably the chef and the housekeeper. You're the shopper, the decorator, the special events coordinator, the nurse, and the chauffeur. So it's a big, big job. It's like you are a CEO but you don't have an assistant because you are the assistant, right? Um, You're in charge probably of birthdays and holidays. And some of you may be in charge of your finances, Um, home repair, car repair. Um, Probably if there's a vacation to be planned, you may have a part in that. Um, The family calendar, social events, extended family, you're probably it. And I'm saying all this not to wear you out, but to be like, it's a big job. And and we recognize that. And then uh, don't even get me started on Christmas. Because with Christmas, we've got the, you probably taken the picture or arranging for it. You're prob- then you're probably ordering the card. You're probably addressing the card, stamping the card, and mailing the card. That's just the cards. Then you're probably doing all or most of the shopping. Then you're doing the um, wrapping, and you're doing the distribution. 
you are probably working on all the social events to get together with all the family in various parts, maybe the neighbors and maybe the school. It just goes on and on. So it's a, it's a big job, and sometimes that makes us weary. But I want to encourage you because we're going to talk about ways that you can rely on the Lord and not feel like you are um, all alone in all this. I read uh, somewhere that there's, we make 35,000 decisions, 35, decisions a day. That's a lot of decisions. Um, and, it, you know, sometimes it's big, like, can I spend the night with somebody? And sometimes it's, it's like, can I have another popsicle? And you're like, I don't know. Do I have to be the one to decide everything? So I understand decision fatigue just over and over and over. And I think today, because we have so much information available to us, it's even more so. We have even, because you don't feel like I'm just going to go buy a new dishwasher. Like, no, I got to research it and I need to look online and I need to make sure I get the best price and I need to ask my friends, so I better put it on Facebook. I mean, all the information you have access to... I read. I read your Facebooks. I, like, it's overwhelming. But I, I understand, like, you want to get the best information to make a good decision. But I just want to encourage you today that um, you will not always get it right, and that's okay. But you certainly want to do your due diligence. Um, another thing that is, makes us weary is just our lack of control, right, over external forces, right? We have got, our life revolves around others um, constantly. Basically, if you look at your day, most of the time it revolves around your husband, your children, uh, maybe some commitments, but that also involves other people, your family, extended family, that is. Um, but I, I was encouraged when I realized that, so a lot of times we're interrupted because all these people are coming at us with different needs. Um, so interruptions, but really interruptions is just part of life. In fact, I was just reading some scripture and it was, you know, most of the miracles Jesus did, like he was doing something else when they said, hey, would you change this water into wine? And would you, uh, so he had to stop his, uh, what he was doing to go serve somebody and to, and to help them. So uh, like he was interrupted while at dinners, he was interrupted while he was teaching, while he was traveling, while he was shepherding and training. And I thought, that's just like a mom, you know, you're going along doing what you think you need to do. And it's a constant, a constant thing of interruptions, but it's about serving other people. And so, um, I, I so I want you to be encouraged by that. Like that's okay to have your life revolving around others, you know, at this season of life. And so, um, others and lack of control over circumstance sometimes makes us weary. Um, another one is distractions. And so how many times have you gone to like, go, I'm going to put the laundry up. And then you go in there like, oh, there's, uh, you know, there's books all over the floor. So I'm going to put all the books back. Oh, I need, you know what? So-and-so wanted to borrow this book. I'm going to go put it by the front door. So you go by the front door and what do you see? But crayon on the wall, like what? So then you go and you get your little, you go to get your Mr. Clean little white sponge and you're out. So you're like, okay, I'm going to write this on my list, which happens to be on my phone because I always have it with me. I open my phone and oh my gosh, my mom's called and I need to call her back. So those are the kind of distractions. That's just like a tiny little, like I'm starting to do this and then this happens, this happens, this happens. So distractions can also make us weary. Another one is expectations. And I think this comes from not only like from each other, but from, uh, from, you know, the internet, from like Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, um, also TV shows, uh, all those kind of things tell us like kind of how this should look, how our life should look at this season of life. And, but you're only seeing the best of other people's and you're living the all of it, right? Um, it's even in the Christian circle, you know, you should all, you know, if you're really spiritual, you should feed your children this and not this. And if you're really spiritual, this kind of schooling over that kind of schooling or, um, uh, all kinds of things from the, from the way you deliver your baby for heaven's sake. I mean, those are, you know, there's just these Christian circles that tell you how you should do it if you really want to do it the spiritual way. And so I just want to free you from that, that you consult the Lord on those things and not, um, be, have other people, the expectations of other people, um, 
tell you how to do things. Um, another one is thought life. I read in a book, I love this little um, statement, we steer where we stare. And so just the comparison, like if we're looking around at everybody else, again, the social media, like they look like they're having such a ball and their house is beautiful and everything on, of course, Pinterest is beautiful. And um, so just the things that we begin to compare ourselves with. Um, and so just that, those negative thoughts begin to spiral. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but just that your mind is a battlefield and our thought life is really important to learn to control. Um, and then the last one is just um, isolation. Like, you know, it's lonely sometimes. It's lonely sometimes when everybody that's, that you're with most of the hours of the day don't speak English, right? <laughs> they do. They will. I promise. But, or maybe they do. Maybe they speak too much. <laughs> and that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother side of it. But, um, but sometimes it's isolating. And so... Um, I understand that. I get that because, you know, it's, if you're dragging them around all the time, that's got its own set of, you know, tamper tantrum at target kind of issues. But if you're staying home all the time, it can be isolating. And so I recognize that. And sometimes that makes you, that makes you weary. So um, don't be discouraged and don't leave because the, the good stuff, the, the hopefully how-to and encouragement is going to be coming after this. But I think it'd be great for us to spend a few minutes at our tables and just share, like, think about those things. What are the things that are making you weary? How can others at your table pray for you? And just spend a few minutes um, sharing uh, what makes you weary. We'll come back in about 10 or 15 minutes. Okay, we're going to get started again. I love hearing the... Ch- We're going to get started. I love hearing the chatter. I walked by one person and they talked about one of those hamster wheels. And I was like, oh, that's good. That's good. Um, So I love hearing the discussion. And the good thing is in about 30 or 40 minutes, you're going to get to do it again. So um, you can remember where you are and we'll get back. Okay, so great discussion, right? We are all weary. And so that's a great place of connection. But we don't want to stay there, right? We want to see what... How can, we, um, how can we perhaps not be so weary in this season? Um, so when we look at our verse, we see a gardening theme, right? Or a, perhaps a farming thing. And so it speaks to kind of cause and effect. Like you do this and this will happen. Um, the farmer has a job to do, certainly, right? What's the farmer supposed to do? He picks what to plant. He picks where to plant. That includes uh, the soil. He might consider the water source, sunlight, drainage, things like that. He plants when, or he, he chooses when to plant. And that also, it matters. Like you, I don't, obviously have a green thumb, but, um, but there are times when it's right to plant something and when it's not. And so the farmer considers all that. He does all the work as far as like tilling the soil, planting, fertilizing. He deals with the weeds and wildlife and pests. And so he has got some things that he does, but we know that there's things that, that God does in, in farming as well. God controls the weather. He controls the amount of sun and rain. He controls if there's a ton of wind or hail or pests that might come, or um, wildlife that might come. And so there's a part for the farmer, and there's a part that God does. And we can't control the part that God does, right? But we can control the things that we do. So we're going to talk about that now. What is, uh, what is the good that we're supposed to do? The verse says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Like, what even is doing good? And so we're going to talk about that. So we're going to talk about some what's, but don't despair because at the end, we're going to talk about some how's and how to do that. So the what is not being perfect. You will not be the perfect mom ever. There is no such thing. Um, it doesn't mean cooking the perfect food or having the perfect meals on the table, the perfect house or the perfect children, because that does not happen. There's one perfect person 
that ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ. And so um, we come to him, or we have, many of us have, have seen our need for him because God is perfect and holy, and we are not. And so we might use the word sin, we're sinners. And what that means is like we see that he is perfect and we do wrong things. And I think if there's ever a time in life when, we, when that is revealed to us, it is in our parenting and in our mothering because we can't do it right all the time. We see that we fall short of God's glory, and all of us do. There's not one, there's not even one person who has been perfect perfect except for Jesus. And so God in his perfection, but he, because he loves us and he loves us so much, he has given us a way to, to have, to be right with him. And some of you know about that and maybe some of you don't. So I just want to go ahead and share that now. So if he's perfect and I'm not like, well, how can I have a relationship with him? And how can I, and how can I, you know, work with him? And he has provided his son, Jesus Christ, who did live a perfect life. And he, um, came to earth perfectly sinless. He did not do one single thing wrong, but then he took the punishment of us and he died on a cross for our sins. And so, um, our, we can't do that. We are not perfect and we can't be right with God without trusting in Jesus Christ as our savior. And so that would be just a a charge that I would give you today is if that, it's like, you know, I've heard that, but I don't really know what that means. Like we want to tell you, we want to share more about that with you. Ask your small group later, come find one of us in the blue shirts or the, or the mentor moms, because we would love for you to know that. Um, but he calls us to be faithful. He doesn't call us to perfection because like I said, there's one perfect person and we are not it. So can we do everything perfect all the time? No, because that's, so, you know, that we're not, we're not actually called to, but we can still have a harvest. We recognize that we can't do it correctly all the time. And so what exactly is doing good? If doing good is not perfection, then what is doing good? Um, now I started out with like, well, what does the world say doing good is? Because that would be, you know, the, the first thing that we might look around and go, well, what is, you know, commercials and TV and, and social media? Like, what does the world say that doing good is? And some of the things that I came up with would be like choosing the right food. Like, you know, oh, you feed your kid McDonald's. Like, ah, oh, you know, so, or, or things like that. Or um, also uh, the, the activities like, oh, my two-year-old's in French and art and, you know, karate and like, you know, so the right activities are going to set you up for success. Um, the right preschool. And of course, the right preschool will get you into the right school, which gets you into the right, like, no, you know, the world would say that the schooling that you choose um, will, will, is doing good. Another one would be even sports teams as your kids get bigger, like there's the in teams and the not as in, like sports teams, social scenes, like, like what is it that you do socially? Are you in this country club? Are you in this group? Are you part of that? Are you part of, like the, the being part of an inner circle kind of thing would be doing good. Um, also even vacations, like, oh, you've never taken your kids to Disney World, like, ah, oh, or, or whatever it is. The world tells us doing good is, a, is one set of, of falsehoods. And God's word tells us what doing good is in other ways. Um, Let me start out by saying what is not doing good. And um, I love the verse from Proverbs 6. It talks about six things that the Lord hates, six things that are detestable to him. One of them is haughty eyes. And that just means being proud. And sometimes that's so hard because as a mom, you want to... um, you know, you want to have that balance of like not thinking too high of yourself or too low of yourself. A lying tongue, um, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict. And so those are things that, that we know are not doing good. And, and, you know, it may sound harsh to say a lying tongue, but, you know, sometimes maybe not telling the whole truth, that's maybe that's okay. That would probably be considered a lying tongue. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. 
Are you quick to um, turn to your friend to, to, to tell them something that's bothering you? Or are you quick to go to prayer about and talk to the Lord about it? So all of those things, we, um, we see that God would say that he hates those things. So they're not doing good. So then I thought, well, what is doing good? Like, what does that mean? If it's not what the world says, and we know what God hates, then what is doing good? And I chose a couple of scriptures. The first one is just to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that would be, you know, if we could do those things, then that would be doing good because um, that would be getting our minds lined up with how he thinks and we would do good from that. The next one is to seek first his kingdom. These are on your sheet, so you don't have to write them down. Uh, Matthew six thirty three: seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. If we get the first things right, if we get the first things first and we major on the major and not the minor, then we're going to be set up for success and doing good. In Galatians five sixteen, it says, walk by the spirit. The only way you walk by the Spirit is first by trusting in Jesus Christ. The Spirit comes to you when you accept Him as your Savior. And then you can yield to His Spirit. When you've got like two roads, which way, to, which fork to take, then we can uh, choose His ways over ours. Um, and that would be doing good. Romans 2.12, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Like your mind has such control over your actions. Um, in Colossians three seventeen, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the Father. And so again, that would be doing good. And then the, fi- the last one, which is so simple, um, but it's just a great verse, Micah 6, 8. And what does the Lord require of you? Like, I really want to know, don't you? Like, what am I supposed to do? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. So basically, we're talking about being committed to faithfully pursuing God and His ways. That involves yielding to the Spirit, exhibiting the fruit that He produces as you do that. And those fruit would be like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, that's Galatians 5.22 if you want to look that up. But when those things are dominant in your life, then doing good is the inevitable result. And we're going to talk about that. So don't let that overwhelm you right now. But just, I wanted to kind of think about what is doing good. And so those are some of the verses that I picked out. Another one that I added, especially as moms and parents, or maybe as, you know, an aunt or somebody who is around other people that are younger or less experienced in life, is just from Deuteronomy 6.4. And um, it talks about loving God with all your heart and soul and strength. But then it says to impress them on your children or the children around you. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And what that means is if, God, if Christ is center in your life, then this is going to be like a natural overflow. Like if you're, if you're um, in prayer and you're reading the Bible, it's just going to be natural to be, to be an overflow in how you deal with other people. So success is not perfection. It's not perfection at all. You are not called to be perfect because none of us are. But success is obedience and faithfulness. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, so then the verse goes on. Let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time. Okay, so like, what does that mean? Um, Because I think God's timing can be tough. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And so I think that... um, we see that, right? Like I've ta- we're going to talk a little bit about being in your season, not trying to do things that are not in the season that you're in, which is having the little kids. So God's timing can be tough. Waiting is hard. A lot of us are waiting on something right now. If you think about it, some of you would say, I am waiting for my child to sleep through the night. Like, I think that's going to help me more than anything. I am waiting for um, date night. I cannot wait for date night. I am waiting for Mother's Day out because I cannot wait until they're old enough to go to Mother's Day out. So a lot of us are waiting for, maybe you're waiting to have another baby or you're waiting for them to go to school. You're waiting for them to get out of school. And it's funny how time sometimes flies. Like if you're um, with your, a screaming infant, 
like 10 minutes seems like forever, but if you are at the grocery store by yourself, 10 minutes seems like a flash, right? Um, and so moms wait a lot. And so sometimes we're waiting for results or we're waiting to be praised or we're waiting for something or waiting on somebody. And so we wait a lot. And I love this cartoon because it says, that's how we feel when God says it's not his timing, but you think it is. Um, he's not very happy about that because I think sometimes we do that. We're like, Lord, I'm so ready for this or that or whatever. Um, but we can have the mindset in waiting. And I thought about in waiting, like somebody waiting tables, like what's their mindset? They want to serve. They want to be kind. They want to think of others. And we can do that same thing. And so we can um, wait well. And we can't do it again in our own strength. We can wait well by being in prayer um, and by uh you know, being patient and, and be, and those things are not just going to come to you by self-will. They're going to come to you by being conformed more like the image of Christ. Okay. So now we go, let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Well, what is the harvest? Because I think sometimes we think a harvest would be like perfect children, right? Um, But we're not promised perfect children. In fact, we talked about there's no such thing at all. Um, So it's not perfection, but the harvest is about faithful service on your part. It's about commitment, being committed to the harvest. So being committed to do the things that you need to do for that harvest to be um, as full as it can be. It's about being disciplined in your efforts of the farmer, which, which is you. Um, So the farmer does what he's called to do, but the results, like we talked about, they're up to God. Um, It's the same with kids. It's about faithfulness on our parts, doing the best you can with the information you have, being strengthened in God's, um, in God's strength and wisdom, um, but the results are in his court. When you're committed to the harvest and when you seek God in his ways, and when we, give, when we don't give up doing good, then there will be fruit. There will be fruit sometimes in your child and sometimes in you. And so I think that's what is, is the guarantee, that there, there will be fruit when you are committed to the harvest. It may not be exactly in the form you, that you think it's going to be, but there absolutely will be fruit. Sometimes it's uh, short-term fruit. Um, like Allison was saying. So sometimes it's like, um, oh my goodness, you obeyed. Like, oh, that's awesome. Like, and so I kind of thought about like, that's like a fried green tomato. Like it's a little, little not quite right, but like, wow, that's a little, that's just awesome that they actually listened or obeyed or whatever it is you're working on, whatever character trait or whatever it is. But that's not the full harvest. The full harvest comes way later. And that would be like the ripe tomatoes. And so it takes time and it takes, um, it, it doesn't spring up overnight. Um, Crops do not spring up overnight, right? So our children are not like chia pets. And here are my little chia pets. And they did not spring up in a week, right? And so sometimes I think we want our children to be conformed and transformed and obedient and all those kind of things after like a week of being watered like a chia plant. But it takes a long, long time. Um, And sometimes it's little by little. Sometimes it doesn't seem like there's any progress at all. Like you're in this season, like I don't see any fruit. And that's where we want to encourage you not to grow weary because baby steps are still steps. Um, And so we just want to encourage you. So this next slide, I love this. I got it off the internet. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Like these kids are, they're like four. They're not walking in the truth. Or maybe they are for like five minutes, but it's a long process. The harvest doesn't come when, you know, immediately, there may be moments of harvest where you're like, I can see the light. This is awesome. I see some transformation. I see some progress. That's awesome. But really, I just thought that was so funny because these children are little, like they're not walking 
I mean, there may be for that moment, but it's a long process, and um, it's, the results are not up to you, although you want to do your part. God is the one who's faithful, and He never leaves us. And we, there will be a harvest if we don't give up. So if we do the things that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, like, you know, trusting in the Lord and being conformed to Him, His image, there will be a harvest. And it may be children that walk in the Lord, and that is our prayer and our hope. But it also may be that as you do those steps, you are conformed and you are changed and the harvest is in you. And I can say that from personal experience because I, um, I became a prayer warrior by having children and I um, started to cling to God's word because when I had children and I learned to memorize scripture and to put it, hide it in my heart when I had children because I couldn't do this on my own. And I, and I recognize that. And um, so I realized that, the, that I needed to do my part. So even if no matter how my kids turned out, there was a harvest in me for sure. And so you can have the same. Now I'm adore and love my children and I think they all turned out great, but that's not the point. There's no, there's no guarantees. And any of us, including me, could fall away today. So there's no, never any room at all for pride in child rearing at all ever. Um, but we can rely on the Lord and we can be transformed and we can make progress. Okay, so we've kind of gone through the scripture. Now I want to get to the part that is more like the how-to. And again, I don't want you to go away and be like, okay, we got seven things and I'm going to go home and do them all today and every day for the rest of my life. Because that's probably not going to happen, right? Um, but I just kind of thought about what are some B, B, Bs of not growing weary? And that's on, your, on the back of your sheet. Um, they're just, it's not like a 12 step plan. It's not something that you're going to go home and do implement all these things. Cause if you do, you'll probably never come back and you'll never, um, you know, it, it, it's just not, just pick one thing that you maybe want to work on. Um, because I don't want you to leave overwhelmed. Like I want you to leave encouraged and like, I'm going to really work on this one thing in my life. So we're, we're going to start out on the left-hand side of your column with just, um, be careful where your mind goes. This is probably my greatest, uh, weakness is being careful where my mind goes. Like something comes into my mind and then I take it down this trail of demise, a spiraling downward. And so I've had to really train my mind. And the verse from Philippians 4 is what I try to filter things through. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, noble, right. Okay, so first of all, something bothers you and you, is it true? Well, it might be true. Is it noble? Eh, probably not. Is it right? Pure, lovely, or admirable? Like, mm, probably not. So then I have to think about, then I'm going to have to change those thoughts and not let me go down a negative path that's spiral. I love this, um, this uh, statement from Chuck Swindoll. A person is a product of his or, own, or his or her own thoughts. Thoughts form the thermostat, which regulates what we accomplish in life. My body responds and reacts to the input from my mind. If I feel it with doubt, if I fill it or feed it with doubt, worry, and discouragement, that is precisely the day of the kind of day I will experience. Your thoughts control your actions. And so I would just um, encourage you now to what we call sometimes capture your thoughts. And if you think about even that word, like we don't capture um, a bunny, we capture a tiger. We capture a snake or a lion because, because to capture something means there's a, it's hard, right? It's something that's going to go crazy without us doing that. So to capture our thoughts is what, where we need to take ground and be able to, to be, think about those things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, or admirable. And so that's the first step in being able to um, just be careful where your mind goes. Don't let yourself, don't let one thing happen. Like it starts with, you know, oh much, somebody turns you down for a play date. And then before you know it, you're like, they probably, everyone in the world hates me. 
You know, it's like, nah, you know, that's a, might have veered off course here just a little bit. Like, and I've, and I'm, I was the queen of it, but I'm capturing my thoughts and I'm getting better at it. So that's the first one. Be careful where your mind goes. The next one is to be forgiving. You know, when you realize the grace that has been extended to you through Jesus for your sins, like we have no choice but to forgive others. Um, it is a choice and it doesn't necessarily mean that you feel like doing it, but what you're saying to God is like, I'm choosing to forgive them and I'm going to trust that you'll handle this. And, um, I don't really feel like doing it because maybe they really did wrong you. I mean, that's possible, but you're still commanded to forgive from Matthew 6, 14 for you, If you forgive other people that when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their sins then your sins won't be forgiven either. So it's a command to forgive. It doesn't say if you feel like it or if they didn't really wrong you or you know, if you think they deserve it, like, no, that doesn't matter. It says to do it. And we can, um, some people have talked about you know, the, the gospel right now. Like, yes, the gospel will get you right with God for eternity, but it also is like right now when I remember that God has forgiven me much, then I don't have a choice but to forgive others because I've been extended grace and I need to do the same thing. Um, so being forgiving of yourself also, not just other people, but be forgiving of yourself. You're not gonna do this perfect. Like you'd never ever will. And, um, and so just to be forgiving of yourself and you know, talk to the Lord about it and get back on the horse and, and you know, continue on. So don't let a, a, a derail derail you for long, get back on, forgive yourself as well. Um, the next one is just to be smart physically because it's really easy to, because we're so others centered with all these people demanding things of us is to not take care of yourself. And so I would just encourage you to, um, you know, get, get your rest when you can. I know that that's almost sounds like a joke, but when your baby sleeps, sleep, it's okay to take a nap at 10 in the morning. If you need to, I give you permission. It's okay. Don't feel like you are a loser. If you need to take a nap every single day, it's all right. It's a season. Um, eat, eat wise choices, eat healthy food. And again, I'm, I'm not telling you to go to swing to the right or swing to the left, but just a general healthiness is a good idea to exercise, to get out, you know, to get out and walk and walk your baby in the stroller or whatever, just to be um, move, moving around and active. We'll give you a, a better mindset as well, but just to be smart physically. Um, we know from 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So making good choices about your bodies and what you put in them um, is a good idea. Um, so that's be smart physically. The next one is be prepared when you can. And you can't always be prepared. There's our little Boy Scout. But there are some things that are going to come around. Like Christmas is going to come on December 25th, like every single year. Or your children's birthday. Or um, having your diaper bag packed. Or having an extra diaper in the car. Or having um, a birthday card. You're going to probably, and having a stamps at home. Things that are practical that you can do to be prepared. Because um, maybe it's even like leave, being ready five minutes early because something's probably going to happen. You're going to not find shoes or somebody's going to have a diaper that needs to be changed or whatever, but just having extra supplies on hand. That's, that's a really practical, like just be prepared when you can. There's plenty of things that happen in life. Absolutely cannot be prepared for, but there's some that we can. And so just to kind of think through some of those areas that you might be able to be prepared. Some, even like supplies at home, like you're going to need toilet paper. It doesn't go bad, right? So just stock up. Um, or, you know, things like that, but just to be prepared when you can like that for some people, that's a natural. And some people it's like, I can't believe that I'm down to my last 
X, Y, Z, and now I got around to the store at 10 o'clock at night. Like, you know, be prepared when you can. That's just very practical. Don't wait till the last minute. Be intentional. Um, consider the consequences. And then the next one is to be flexible and not controlling. This is a huge one, I think, for women because we are in charge of so much. That kind of feeds on our wanting to be in control. And then as I was thinking about this and praying about it, I was like, and also the information age. Like that really makes us, that feeds also to the being controlling. And so um, this, you know, being a parent, being a mom and a wife and all the responsibilities that you have, there's no room for, for being rigid or not to be controlling um, because what that means when you are, think that you are in control or want to be in control, what that means is that you think you have a better way than what God has in mind. So he's not surprised when you have an interruption or you have a, something that comes in that you didn't plan on or whatever. So like we would all love to have everything all planned out perfectly, including me. It's a female thing, I think. And especially when we're in charge of so many, juggling so many balls, like we want to have it under control, but this is not the place to do that. Because what we're saying is that something comes in, it's like, God, you got this wrong. Like, did you mess this up? Didn't you know that I needed to leave at 10 o'clock or whatever? Like, so you're saying that your way is better than his. And so sometimes we just need to learn to be, to not to be controlling and to be flexible. Um, from, uh, from Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Remember, nothing gets by him that's, that he hasn't said it's okay. And so when we think that we can just control everything and then something, some little thing comes in from the side we weren't expecting, like he's not surprised by that, even though we are. But for, just for us to try to learn to roll with the punches and to give ourselves margin, because that's sometimes when I become more controlling and not flexible is when I have like, I've got seven things to do today and if, if there's no traffic and everything works perfectly, it will work. Well, probably something's going to go awry. So just to um, be flexible and not be controlling and, and, and plan for margin in your life, especially with young children. Another one is to be wholeheartedly in your season. So we see that, you know, a farmer doesn't plant things in the wrong season. He plants it in the right season. So just being in your season. Um, so maybe when you're, when you're a young mom of young children, that means that you are not being in charge of certain things, committees or charity events, or um, that you want to ask yourself, what is my best yes right now? Because if I say yes to this, I'm saying no to something else, even if it's not like a real you know, outward no. If I'm saying yes to putting my energy toward this, this, and this, then I'm not able to put my energies toward this, this, and this. So just being wise and being um, fully, you know, in your season and not saying things. If you, you can ask yourself, will I, will I be glad that I said yes to this? Like I might say, be yes, feel good about it in the moment. Like, oh, they think I'm so great because I said yes to this thing they want me to do. But then later, if you're going to be thinking, oh, then, that is, then that's kind of a test for you to be thinking about. So just to be wise, um, to be in your season and not try to be out of it. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I love this verse. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so whatever you do for his cause will not be in vain, including loving and serving and raising your family. Um, and then the next one is very similar to the other one. Be discerning with your time and commitments. Um, and so again, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your, your plans. So we want to, you know, just be wise with what you say yes to. Like we talked about the best yes. Don't overcommit. 
um, what is your best yes right now? And it doesn't, you know, if you say no to something, it doesn't mean no forever. Like if somebody asks you to do something or serve somewhere or whatever, it doesn't mean like the door is shut forever, but just for right now in this season, it may not be the best. So those are my seven B's and those are kind of more, a little bit more along the practical line. Um, but then I have three things that I would just encourage you that would be cultivating holy habits. Like if this is, if we cannot do this job on our own and we are not perfect, then what we really need is, is a helper and God has sent that for us. And so um, just spiritually, how do we rely on the Lord's strength? So this is kind of the how. We talked about the what, let us not grow weary. We talked about what that looked like. Um, in doing good. Like what is doing good? It's not what the world says. It's not what God hates, but it's doing those things like loving him and serving and putting him first and seeking his kingdom. And let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, right? His timing's not always ours, but we can trust him with it. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So it's like, well, how do we do that? And so this would be the how part of that. And that would be cultivating what uh, holy habits. Um, Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I think we all agree, like we need rest. We need to be able to not be weary. Um, so you may ask, what does that mean? Three, three things that keep me grounded and focused, keeps me purposeful and filled up are prayer, God's word, and community. And we're going to talk about each one of those briefly right now. Um, first of all, prayer, like I did become a prayer warrior when my kids were little and part of it was out of fear. Like I was constantly praying for their health and safety. Um, honestly, and I, I remember thinking when I was pregnant, like, oh, if he just gets here, you know, healthy and safe, or I didn't know it was he, if this baby just gets here healthy and safe, then I won't have a worry in the world. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well then, you know, it kind of, well then if he can just sleep and not die in his sleep, then that will be great. And then I won't have a worry in the world. And then, and then he got a little bit better. Well, if he will just obey me and not run out in the street, then I won't have it. So it truly taught me to be very prayerful. And this book I love, it's um, The Power of a Praying Parent by Stormy O'Martian. And it really taught me to pray for things more than just health and safety, because those were kind of my go-to health and safety. But just, you know, to pray for their spouses and to pray their future spouses, even now, to pray for them to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, to pray for them to um, be uh, lovers of the word and to love the word and to want to read it and want to obey it and and um, to love other people and all those kind of things. It just really helped me come up with things besides the whole health and safety prayer, which I'm still a big, big fan of. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you can take your worry and your anxiety and just turn it into a prayer. And so if you've got something that you're concerned about, then you just, you just, you know, turn it into a prayer, a prayer like, Lord, I pray for my child who didn't get enough sleep and or what every single thing is just a, it's an attitude of dependency on the Lord. And I do, I truly do. Like I, I pray about every aspect that I can possibly think of. I keep it, now I keep it on my phone, which some people like want to have a journal so they have record of it later. But I'm like, this is with me always. So I can pray in, at the doctor's office while I'm in the waiting room. And I can pray while I'm in line at Tom Thumb. And I can pray at a stoplight, or I could before September 1st. <laughs> but, but, you know, just to, you know, just to, just to have, have it with you to be able to remember. So that works, that works for me. But some people, you know, they have a... a Bible that they journal in, or they have a certain thing that they journal in, or they have note cards and they rotate. Like I'm never that organized. So I just have a running list for the people that I'm praying for and I delete it when it's 
answered and um, I trust the Lord to help me remember what I need to. It may not be the best way, but it works for me. But I pray about, one thing I did when they were little is I prayed about their strengths and their weaknesses. And then it also told me how that kind of helped me. Like if they're strong here and they're weak here, then I need to pray about those. So it was just taught me to be a student of, of my child and be a student of my husband and not to be praying. Like one of the things you would see on this now is that I would be the wife that he needs. So yeah, I'm praying for him to be discerning and to lead well and to love the Lord with all this heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I'm also praying for me to be the wife that he needs. So it just helps me to, it, it, taking everything to the Lord helps me to broaden what I bring to him. And um, so I think prayer, you, you can be anywhere, anytime, eyes closed, eyes open, in the car, in your bed, dark, light, you can pray anywhere. So that, I would encourage you um, to consider going to the Lord more often. Um, another one is just using God's word. And that has also been something that's transformed me because, again, I had these thoughts that would go from A to Z too quickly. And so by capturing it and taking my thoughts captive, it helped me um, just uh, take, to know what he has to say about things. And so um, as a mom, it's hard for you to maybe have you know, a nice, long, quiet time. And there, that will come. So, again, that's one of those season things. But um, one thing that, I, that really helped me was to have Scripture in different places and so maybe you got like a, I graduated from college and here's some Bible verses book and it's all, they're all on a shelf. Like have one by your rocker, have one near your bedstand, have one near your makeup thing. And maybe you're just visiting the word, you know, frequently throughout the day. Maybe it's on your phone. I've got a Bible on my phone. Um, but just, but just, you know, occasionally you want to drink deeply, but just getting some here and there is also great just to be focused on his word and what it has to say. So putting his God's word in key spots in your kitchen, maybe, or, and let your kids be part of it. You know, let them see you reading, let them hear you reading. Um, so, and, and I, I'm all about other people that encourage like it through devotionals or blogs or whatever, but I also wouldn't want that to take away from your time in the word. Because, you know, we know that God's word is living and active. It is uh, useful for correcting or teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. So it, like, it's good all by itself without somebody else interpreting it for you. And so I would just say to start reading it yourself. Like, I wouldn't pick up Leviticus, but you might pick up um, Romans 12 is a great one for just learning how to live, how to love other people. Um, maybe you pick up the book of John, which just tells the stories of Jesus and how he lived. Um, so just to pick it up yourself and not rely on a blog or someone else's thoughts um, to let it, let it be your, let, you know, see what he'll teach you. And you never know, you might be the next blog writer. Um, Colossians 2, 6, and, 6 through 8 says, So th then just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted rooted, again, a, a, an agricultural term, deep down, rooted down and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. And I love that because I think that, that his word gets us, it gets our thoughts in the right, um, you know, frame of mind. Um, we want to be rooted deep down, firm convictions, strengthened that's beneath the surface, built up and strengthened, standing out, um, sharing with others, overflowing with thankfulness. I think thankfulness is super important. And that also is, a, a thank, uh, is important in the aspect of like comparing yourself with others if you, and, or being um, unhappy with what you have. Like when you focus on being thankful, then you really can't be thinking too much about what you don't have because you're thinking and thanking what you do have. Um, John 15, 4 is also in your 
uh, on your sheet. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Like you can't do it. It's, it says it right here and it's true. If you cut, if you cut off those tomatoes, like they can't regrow. Um, you have to be connected to the vine and we are the branches and God is the vine. We need to be connected to him to bear any fruit at all. So remain in him and be um, faithful to his ways, his word. And we can do that through communicating with him. Um, so if you don't have a reading plan or, or one other thing that my husband did for years and, and it, you know, every single time you learn something new, but there's 31 Proverbs and there's about 31 days in a month. So maybe you just say on today, September 15th, I'm going to read Proverbs 15. And that could be a way of just getting through. And then if also Proverbs is not chronological. So if you miss a couple days, then you just pick back up whatever day it is. So I would just encourage you to get in the word yourself. Our church also has a devotional that can be emailed to you called Join the Journey. And it also is just full of scripture that you read yourself. And then there is a commentary or somebody's written something about it. But, but you're getting the word. It's coming to your email which you're going to be opening anyway. So I would just encourage you to use scripture. When you read, um, you can ask yourself, like if you, don't, if you haven't done that, like what is this saying? Is it, is it a promise? Is it a command? Is it an example that I'm supposed to be doing? Like what is this telling me? And don't feel like you need to read huge quantities, but just kind of dig in and see what it says. Um, and again, the scripture memory was huge for really transforming me. I'm of course still a work in progress, but maybe pick one verse that you kind of like, maybe there's some verses like, I kind of know that one about don't being anxious, don't be anxious for anything. Well, pick one, write it down, write it, put it in a couple different spots in your house, put it in your purse, places you look frequently and just work on memorizing one scripture or, or something like that, because it just brings your mind back. So that, that was huge for me. Um, and then also community. And what, what that means is just to have people in your life that spur you on. So what would that look like? Maybe it's a formal group or maybe it's just a couple of friends or, but just people that point you to the truth. So it needs to be somebody who's like-minded or else it's going to be, you know, if, if you're talking to somebody that's like, well, and you have something that you share that is frustrating to you and they start telling you like, well, you just need to, you know, and it's, it's not the right kind of advice, then that's probably not the people that you want to be getting advice from. And so be wise about that. But um, you probably want to have somebody in your same season. It's great if you have a two-year-old that's in tantrums to have a friend who has a two-year-old that has tantrums. But it's also great to have somebody maybe who's got a five-year-old or a seven-year-old to be like, you know what? I know, I know that's so hard, but you know what? It won't last forever. And to be reminded of that. So just to have other people around you that want to point you the same direction that you want to go um, is a great way to, um, to, to invest in people. Um, so all those things together, we got the, um, by, you know, God's word, we have prayer and we have community and all of those things. I think what they do, one thing that they do is they give you perspective. And so right here, this is, I think it's a cornfield, but you can see it's got a really cool maze in it, right? Now, if you were down in that cornfield, what you would see is like, corn, right? And just like a bunch of leaves and you wouldn't know where to go. You wouldn't know if you should turn to the right or to the left. So sometimes we need to slow down. We need to take these three things that I've talked about and have perspective. Um, and so, because I think when you get perspective, you'll be more able to delight in your children instead of just getting through every day barely. Um, so an aerial view, but you need some sort of a lookout tower so you don't get lost in the maze. You want to be able to survey the scene so you know where to go. 
get up on the ladder, look down, look at the big picture, and then be able to get back down on the cornfield and know if you want to go to the right or to the left. So I just would encourage you to come to him often for refreshment, for encouragement. Um, Your harvest will likely be children that love the Lord, and it will certainly be um, that you will be transformed to have a kinder heart and to love other people um, as you use these principles that we've talked about. This is from a um, blog that Allison sent me that I really liked. When you are up in the middle of the night, God is not letting your life go to waste. When you're up earlier than you ever should have been, God is telling you that he has a plan for this life of yours. In every moment of childcare, if every moment of childcare was voluntary, if you could put your kids' needs on pause or postpone that work for another month or two, we would all be doing it. We would want the DVR version of our children's lives. Skip the commercials and potty training and feeding them every hour and the croup and the snarl over toys and the heaviness of worry. We'd skip the morning sickness. We would skip all the things that refine us because our flesh is weak. But God in his merciful kindness has more for us than our flesh would ever volunteer for. This is impossibly hard, but this is a time when God is working great mercy in your life. So continue to rely on him, live in joy, believe his mercy. Know that your trials lived in obedience are yielding more profit and fruit in your life than anything else ever could. So I just wanna encourage you, like don't give up. Um, God, what God has called you to do, raising kiddos, he will equip you for. He loves you to hold tight. He's got the strength even when you don't. Leave behind your, any kind of patterns of destruction in your thought life or in your, um, anything that you do and just be committed to the harvest. But don't forget to leave the results to God. Um, as we close, I just want to share a little story. Um, I, about a year and a half, two years ago, I had some hearing loss in my left ear. So I went from completely hearing to not hearing at all. And so uh, it was, I had surgery and they can't fix it. But if anybody has an idea, let me know. I still pray about it. But I, I've learned to position myself um, correctly. So if I go to a restaurant, it's better for me to sit um, in a booth than in the middle, than the center. Um, if I'm talking with y'all, I'm gonna be better off like in a very small group and being able to look at you uh, or things like that. So I've learned to position myself because that sets me up for success, right? So if I'm in a room like this and I'm just looking around, it's just like, like I kind of could be overwhelming, but I've learned to position myself and, and you know, look people closely and do small groups when I can. In restaurants, it might look like a restaurant with carpet is better than one that doesn't, or a booth is better than a table in the middle or whatever. I've learned to position myself so that I can have success. And that's what I would encourage you to do as well. Um, Your relationship with the Lord will overflow into every aspect of your life. So that would be my encouragement to you today is drink deeply from God's word, being in prayer with him, being with others who are also like-minded. Because if you position yourself for success, then there will be a harvest. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that um, this verse is in there, that we can um, not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Father, I pray um, that you would help us to know how to do that, that not one woman would leave today not knowing about Jesus Christ, um, not knowing about how she can not grow weary, the things she can do, but that she would not leave overwhelmed with 50 things, but just one thing that you would put on her heart that she might be able to draw closer to you and be the best mom that you've made her to be. Lord, help us to um, just lift our eyes above the daily situation to see a vision for the real assignment. And that is um, uh, just eternal and kingdom items. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. Pray that our conversation would be rich and that we would leave um, nurtured 
encouraged, strengthened, and trained. In your name we pray. Amen.